Welcome to AfterlifeTV.com. I'm Bob Olson. You can find us at AfterlifeTV.com. And today, you are not going to want to miss this interview that I'm doing, this conversation that I like to call them, because... I honestly believe that if I did this for 20 or 30 more years, this will be among the top interviews that I ever do. Uh, the messages, the lessons that you are going to learn from this are amazing. Our guest is Anita Morjani. Welcome, Anita. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really honored to be here. It's my pleasure. And uh, just so everybody knows, you're in Hong Kong, correct? Yes, that's right. I live in Hong Kong. And I am just a couple hours outside of Boston, so we got a lot of distance here. It's amazing what technology can allow us nowadays. I love it. Yeah. Let's begin by just talking about your story. I'll, I'll just let people know ahead of time. This is uh, the story of someone who has had a near-death experience, but with this major twist. Um, in comparison, I could almost say this is not just a mere near-death experience, as if any near-death experience was a mere. Um, this, is, uh, this is something that we not only can learn about the afterlife with, but we can learn about ourselves and, and really what life is all about uh, from this story. So we're going to begin by uh, asking you, Anita, if you could just sort of tell us where this story starts. I, I think uh, it starts with you being sick. Yeah, it starts with me being diagnosed with cancer. I, I mean, to me, this story starts much before that. It starts from what I believe caused the cancer, but um, for all intents and purposes, uh, the story starts from me being diagnosed with cancer and it getting progressively worse. And uh, in the beginning, I actually refused conventional treatment because I had watched uh, two people close to me die on chemotherapy. So I didn't have any confidence in chemotherapy also the fact that scientists are still trying to find a cure for cancer which means basically in medicine uh, there is no cure for cancer it's I mean everybody admits that there's no cure for cancer so I didn't understand why I had to go the medical route uh, if if there's if medicine itself admits there's no cure for cancer so I decided to try alternatives um, but for me it didn't work, uh, but I gained more understanding about that much later. But mm -hmm. my cancer continued to spread, and over a period of four years, um, I uh, the cancer had spread spread throughout my body. I had lymphoma, oh my so yeah, it it spread from um, in fact all the way from the base of my skull all the way down to my abdomen, like through my chest, under my arms. Uh, Originally, when I was diagnosed, it was because I just had a lump over here and um, just where my collarbone is. But over a period of four years, it spread until my organs shut down. And then um, then I went into a coma. And that's when the near-death experience started. All right. And, and when you say, t you, you know, these are tumors that are throughout your body, I understand they're fairly large. What, what in comparison, what size were they? I um, I tend to say lemons because that's actually that's what my oncologist said. He said the tumors are uh, are the size of lemons, and uh, they were swollen glands and tumors throughout, like uh, blocking my chest, blocking my lungs, so I couldn't breathe. Mm -hmm. Plus, whatever capacity that was left in my lungs was filled with fluid, and so I was on a uh, a ventilator. I had a 
a, a, an oxygen tank. My muscles had completely wasted, so I was in a wheelchair until I fell into a coma. I was either in a wheelchair or lying on the bed. I had open skin lesions because my body was so filled with cancer and toxins uh, and that they were, my skin was actually opening up. For, oh. So it was, um, yeah, it was pretty bad. So I had a full-time nurse who was dressing my wounds, the open skin lesions. I had one on my neck and one under my arm. Um, so And uh, these were weeping and open. Uh, and... Um, and then on the night of February the 2nd, 2006, I was in a lot of pain, a lot of pain. So the nurse gave me a huge dose of morphine. And on the morning of February the 3rd, uh, I didn't wake up. And my husband noticed that I was in a coma and he called for the doctor right away. Now, until this point, I was being treated at home with a full-time nurse. So on February the 3rd, on the morning of... Um, I'm sorry, it was the morning of February the 2nd that I didn't wake up and my husband rushed me to the hospital. He called my doctor and the doctor was there to receive me and, and, um, I was, and, and they basically told my family that this was it. My organs had shut down and these were my last hours and to call, contact anybody um, that they had to contact who hadn't seen me. But basically that was it. They were waiting for my last breath. And in fact, now prior to this, you you had been told you probably had about six months to live. Now you go into this this coma, and they tell your family what at most thirty six hours, correct? That's right. They said at most thirty six hours. In fact, the first uh, the oncologist, the resident oncologist of that hospital, um, she wasn't my regular doctor. My regular doctor was was waiting there for me, and then. Um, spoke to the resident oncologist and the resident oncologist actually said we never take in patients in this condition basically she's just come here to die and and you know we uh, if that's what she's going to do we we basically we can't see why we don't see why she can't do that at home why did she have to come here oh. Oh. <laughs> so, so that's <laughs> such compassion <laughs> it's all business uh, well, all right, so you, now you go into this coma, and there's so much more to this story, and I want people to know they can go to your website at anitamorjani.com, and the links will be below this video when people see it. Um, and and they, there's a lot more to learn with this story. Because this is Afterlife TV, we're going to focus more today on the uh, near-death experience and what that was all like, because there's so much to learn from that alone, but certainly... I recommend that people learn more about the about your story on your website and let's just mention now while we got people's attention with this story that um, you have a book coming out March uh, 2012 called Dying to Be Me correct? Correct. Alright and uh, so we'll get more we'll get back to that later and I do want to talk to you about what you think caused or what you know caused your cancer, but I kind of feel like, you did you know it at this time? Did you already know it before you went into the near-death experience, or was it something you learned in this experience that you had? I uh, completely learned it in, this, in the experience itself. Okay, so we'll wait on that, all right? And, and if, if we don't get to it, I'll ask you at the end, because that's pretty okay. significant as far as I'm concerned. Uh, major lesson for us to learn. All right. So the first thing you recognize, uh, you're 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 in a coma, uh, 
and yet my understanding is you weren't even really aware that you were in a coma. You were so aware of things. Is that correct? That's correct. I didn't know I was in a coma. I didn't. Um, I, I was aware of everything that was happening around me. So um, I didn't even realize that I was in a coma. I could hear the doctors. I could hear what they were saying, and I was kind of wondering, like, why are they saying that? And I didn't feel uncomfortable or anything. In fact, the pain was gone. All the pain I had been feeling the previous night before the nurse injected the morphine, um, all of that was gone. I was starting to feel really light and free. And um, how? So you're not feeling pain. Obviously, I mean, these are memories that you're having of this, right? I mean, sort of it's all in hindsight. You re recognize that you had this awareness. But is there actual thinking going on? Are you curious as to why you're not feeling any pain anymore? Yes and no. Um, see, this is really hard to explain because I would be hesitant to even use the word that I was thinking. It was more, I would use the word awareness. Okay. So I started to become um, aware, you know, I became aware that that hey I'm feeling free and 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 it's a very subtle difference between becoming aware and actually thinking because it I think awareness is closer to sort of knowing but mm, it's more an emotion rather than uh, uh, it's not from the mind it's more it's more a feeling okay alright alright and I and I'm gonna tell people now to really pay attention because uh, having heard uh, Anita's story this is going to be the closest we'll ever get to interviewing a spirit, to find out what it's like to be in spirit. Uh, so pay attention to this because what she's about to tell us really describes what I would expect and all the evidence that I've gained in my investigations in 13 years has taught me about what it is like to be a spiritual being. Um, you're, so you're lying here you're, you have this awareness. What are some of the first things that, that you're aware of other than that you're, you're not in any pain? Are you aware of what your family members are doing? Yeah, I was aware of what my family members were going through, their anguish, their desperation. I couldn't understand it. Um, I was aware that uh, the doctor, I could hear the doctor telling them that these were my last hours. You know, I had 36 hours at best, if even. Um, and then I was aware that my husband was frantically trying to call my brother who was in India to tell him to come here and then I was even aware that my brother uh, was already on a plane he had sensed something was going on so he'd already left his home you know he packed his bags left his home and got on a plane to come to Hong Kong and it was as though my awareness was just expanding you know it was um, um it's it still chokes me every time I recall it or think about it so it was like I was expanding and then um, I was encompassing everything so I became my husband and I became my brother I was aware that my brother was frantically wanting to get to me before I actually died um, and frantically, so you're feeling his emotions. In other words, you you yeah. recognize what he's feeling. Is he on the, is he on a plane? Is he driving? What's he doing? 
He's on a plane. Yeah, that's I, what I thought. So he's on a plane, and you can feel what he's feeling. Yes, I could feel what he's feeling. I could feel what my husband was feeling. Uh, my husband wouldn't leave my side because he he just he was just sitting riveted, uh, watching all the dials above my bed, and he didn't want to move because he didn't know when I would take my last breath. Um, and, and he wanted to be there when you did. Um, All right, so there's no thinking going. There's only an awareness going on. So are you feeling any turmoil in recognizing what they're going through? What would happen is that I would feel, um, I would feel their feelings and I would feel their emotions. And as soon as I started to feel those emotions and get attached to those emotions, um, I would, it was like simultaneously I would then feel myself actually being pulled away like a detachment and then as I would get pulled away I would be overcome by this feeling of just <clears throat> of just unconditional love like really uh, unconditional compassion and then there was this feeling that no matter what was unfolding before me in the in the physical world it didn't matter whatever that was unfolding it was still perfect it was still going to be perfect in the grand tapestry and so it was like there was um like i was being pulled away not um not consciously i wasn't consciously trying to pull myself away but i was being pulled away from the emotions of everything that was happening and then my awareness would rest somewhere else and then i would get it was like i would get drawn into those emotions um like it would be my my mother for example and then I'd get drawn in and again I would get pulled away and it was as though I would be um, enveloped by this just this unconditional love and then again a feeling like washed over with a feeling that that everything is fine everything's perfect in the grand tapestry everything's still gonna unfold perfectly absolutely amazing for you to be able to focus in on one person. You sort of did it one at a time, it sounds like. Focus on that one. As soon as your, your attention focused on that one person is when you could feel everything that they were feeling and even know what they were doing. You got people, you were aware of things that were, obviously with your brother who's flying there, but you were aware of things that were happening outside of the room, correct? Correct, yes. Of my. Uh, of the doctors telling my husband and telling my mother I was aware of their emotions. In fact, it's like I became them. It's like there's no separation. It's as though the body keeps us separate, but but when we're not in our body, it's like we're all one. It's like I was able to feel every emotion they were feeling. It, it, it was really like um, I became whatever I focused on. And and it also felt like it was all happening simultaneously so it was like um, in that state the awareness is like 360 degree peripheral vision and distance is not an issue it doesn't matter how far but even it the time is not an issue it's as though everything is happening simultaneously it's like now when I come back and now I'm back in my body and I'm expressing it 
I have to put everything into um, linear time. I have to explain yeah. it all and kind of try to figure out, okay, in what sequence did it happen? But over there, it was like there's no sequence. It's like our brain gives it a sequence, but over there, there's no sequence. It's like it's all happening, and and uh, and I'm aware of it all, and it's just wherever my awareness rests, that's what unfolds for me. What excites me about that is, and I talk about you know what it's like to be a spiritual being. What excites me about it is because, um, you know, people ask questions about their loved ones in spirit and they want to know if their loved ones in spirit are aware of them and everything I've ever learned or heard through mediums or people who have had near-death experiences what, what, what have you is that yes all they need to do is focus upon you and they're aware of everything that's going on in your life they're aware of everything that you're feeling and and yet it has been difficult even for me to describe to some people that um, that about this idea of time and space, and so they, if you talk to them, they will become aware of you, and they'll know everything that's going on in your life. But this goes, this even goes a little bit into the future. Did you have any sort of recognition of the future as well? Yeah, future and past. Well, uh, with the future, there was. Uh, they had already taken uh, a lot of tests on my body and tests of my uh, organ function and things like that. So although the doctors had said the organs uh, were already appearing to be failing, or that they and that's why I was dying. Yeah. Um, I I seemed to be aware. I reached a point where I had a choice of whether I wanted to come back into my life or go on into death. And uh, there's a lot around there, which um, which I'll get into. But specifically about the future, I was aware that if I chose to go back into life, that my test results, which had already been taken, the tests had already been taken, the results would show that my organs were starting to function again. Yeah. And and if I chose not to go back into life, not to go back into my body, the test results would show that my organs had failed and so basically the diagnosis would be my death was caused by organ failure due to end-stage cancer. Oh, alright, well so this is, and this is, a, this is, this is very significant. When you, alright, so obviously you're given this choice, so I guess we're skipping ahead a little bit because obviously someone must have asked you to make this choice who, who who was there in this what would you call this place <laughs> is it the spirit world is it some void what what is it what's your word for it well I sort of use the other realm <laughs> the other realm okay I love that great alright so we're in the other realm here you are let's just back up a little bit at first you're alone you're aware of all these things that are happening eventually some other spiritual being must come into your presence who 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 is that how, how would you describe this tell us about it the first um, spiritual essence that I became aware of was my father because he had deceased ten years prior to that he had passed away and um, so it was really comforting to feel to feel his his essence and then even the communication there is very different it's not See, people have said to me, is it mind to mind? It's not even mind to mind. It's like 
you become them. It's like you become one with them and you just know it's instant. It's instantaneous. It's not a back and forth communication. Mm. So then what I'm doing is I'm now putting words to what it was that was instantly understood. Yeah, impossible to do really, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and basically the first thing I understood when you know when when I uh, was aware of my father's essence was that um, was that it it wasn't my time he wanted to know he wanted me to know that it wasn't my time but but even though it wasn't my time I still had the choice of whether I wanted to come back into my physical body or or go um, go further into the other realm so he's the one who gave you that choice mm -hmm. he's the one who gave me that choice well, you know when he first showed up Again, I know, I know it's all happening at the same time. Hard to describe, but I'm going to ask you to try to. I mean, what is that like? You haven't, you, hear, you haven't seen your father in 10 years, and all of a sudden, I mean, does he knock at the door? Does he just show up behind, sneak up behind you? What happens? How, does, how, does he, you, how do you become aware of his presence? And, and what is that like? Well, it was amazing. I mean, <laughs> it was, um, it was. Uh, you see, my, my father, he had really wanted me to get married when he was in, in physical life and and uh, he didn't see my wedding, but also when I was growing up, we had a lot of cultural differences, so, um, because he's very, um, he's very traditional, Indian, Hindu, and I was more westernized because of my education and somehow uh, that seemed to cause a little bit of a clash. Uh, a little bit of a culture clash. Yes. My values were a little bit different. <laughs> yes. I think a lot of us can relate to that. <laughs> uh, he had wanted me to have an arranged marriage, things like that. So, okay. um, but when I encountered him in the other realm, what was incredible, I think the first thing I felt from him, what overwhelmed me was the unconditional love. Mm. And, um, it was it, it was just overwhelming it was just all i could feel from him was just pure unconditional love and it was um it's not like he comes in from behind or in front it's like you know you're just it's like oh my god it's it's you it's dad and um and then there's this just this this whole it's all emotion. It's just pure, raw emotion yeah. of unconditional love, this feeling that was emanating from him. And then I understood. I just understood. I just got it without him saying anything, that he had always loved me unconditionally. But, but when we're in our physical bodies, we are, we're limited. You know, we think through our... Um, our values and our cultures and all these things are, are are part of physical life, part of being in 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 expressing in the physical world. But without our bodies, none of that is there, and all there is is just unconditional love, just pure emotion, and that's all he had for me, and that's what he wanted me to know. Hmm. You know. I know you're aware of him, so there's all this awareness. Uh, is there any visual going on at all with your father? And and if there is, how do you see him? It was 
not even not really a visual but more a, more just a pure essence just a like a like a raw emotion emotional embrace essence um, we're not this is the part that's really hard to explain because when we're out of our body or when I was out of my body I wasn't contained there was no beginning and no end it was I was it was like I was infinite it was like I could be anywhere mm. um, I could be anywhere and um, I could so so that's why I was able to 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 be aware of my brother on the plane and I didn't know that he was coming to see me prior to that I didn't know he was already on the plane so even so my brother was in is on this realm my father was in the other realm it was like it was like I was everywhere and mm. it's like another sense kicks in if I can use an example an analogy if you imagine that you're you're blind and you're born blind and you're blind from birth and so um, your whole world is just about uh, it's just t touch and uh, smell and taste and hearing so your hearing's pretty sharp and your taste buds and your sense of touch is really sharp and you have no idea what anything actually looks like visually because you've never seen you've never used your vision and so even if you are given two plates that are that feel identical but are of different colors and somebody tries to explain to you that one is blue and one is green but you're touching them and you're even biting into them and there's no way that you can tell what's different about these two plates and the person says that it's colors one's blue one's green and you're like yeah but what's color they're identical so but one day let's say your sight kicks in just one day you're, uh, you you begin to be able to see and and then and when you can see then you can see these two plates are different yeah. and you can see what way they're different and so for the first time you understand and when you become let's say you become blind again or even if you don't how do you then explain to other blind people what is that difference yeah and this yeah. is the exact problem that i have because it was like a new sense kicked in okay. for which we have no vocabulary for because <laughs> because it's not something that we use and um, that's right and that sense it's I mean we say ESP and all but it's like uh, the body is not even in the way it's like total a hundred percent ESP total a hundred percent awareness of actually spilling out of your my body and feeling incredibly light and just being able to express and and feeling that oneness with everything else not just with every person but with everything with every character with every plant with every tree with every animal it's it was that kind of feeling it was like I was one with everything I can't even imagine what that must be like. I mean, it just—it sounds uh, ecstatically overwhelming all at the same time. It, and and to have this insight, to be able to focus in different directions, uh, to have this reunion that you had—all of it sounds incredible. It's the kind of thing that probably most people would love to experience, except they don't want to have to go through what you went through to have this experience. 
So here you are sharing it with us because there's a lot of things that you learned at what uh, about life in general. At what point did you learn about what caused your cancer? Had you learned, had, again, I know it's all happening at the same time, but let's just try to put it in linear. Did you learn this from your father? Did you learn it from, again, just another awareness about yourself? It was another awareness. Actually, it was after, if I had to put it in linear terms, I would put it at being after I was given the choice of whether to come back or not. And um, because because the first thing I felt, what I, I felt when I was aware that I had the choice to come back or not, I also felt at the same time that what would be what would be the point of coming back because my body was dying anyway because I was I seriously felt like all I was at that stage was a huge burden to my family to my loved ones hmm. and so um, I didn't see any point in coming back just to burden others so it's like uh, the decision seemed like a no-brainer <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> here I was in embraced in unconditional love feeling light free, no pain, um, so, but again, it seemed almost instantaneous, uh, I started to become aware, like, of this great clarity, this understanding of why I got the cancer, I, I started to understand that, that, um, that I had never been aware of the truth of who I really was, and the the way it is in that realm it's it's really interesting it's so hard to describe but it's almost like the answer is so obvious why haven't I seen that before oh, yeah. why do I not know this it just felt so obvious and so easy yeah do you and, did you feel like anybody was facilitating this information for you maybe your father maybe some other spirit guides I, or something that might have been like help facilitating this these this knowingness that you're you're recognizing about yourself I I did feel that I was surrounded by um, uh, by spiritual beings or other essences mm -hmm. who I didn't recognize and also my best friend who had passed away three years prior from cancer she had opted for the chemotherapy route and she had passed away and um, she was also very much there and so they it was like they were all there um their essence was really comforting me and embracing me and i felt very very comforted by all the presences of like familiar essences and then the other uh, um beings were uh i didn't recognize them as beings from or as people i knew in this lifetime mm -hmm. But yet, I knew that they loved me unconditionally. I knew that they were all there for me to to help me through, and it's it feels like that even though they are other entities or other essences, yet we're all connected. We're so connected. It was like um, whatever purpose we all have, it's like we're all we're all. In, in a sense, we're all wanting the same thing for, for the, everybody and for the whole planet. Yeah, it's yeah. Like we're all one. I mean, you, me, and all of them, all of us, we're all one. We're all part of the same essence. So, so if I was being helped, 
it was by all the essences, all the energy. Yeah, well, amazing. So you have this whole team of people, really, who are helping you go through this experience. You're given, your father basically gives you this choice of, you know, deciding whether you want to go back into your body and live or stay where you're at, maybe move on to, to whatever's next from that point on. He gives you this choice. He, you said he, he, he sort of, does he recommend that you go back to your body, right? He, he recommends yeah. you go back. Does he, does he explain why or does he have to? You just have this awareness of why, because I know there's some reasons that you recognized that the benefits to going back, obviously not just to, to pass away, to wither away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, he um, basically, yes, he said to me, it, it's not your time, but it's still your choice. But in a way, I could sense that um, the, there was a certain uh, edging towards wanting me to go back. And then, in, in, and then as the clarity started to come, and it was the, this feeling that, how could I have not recognized it before? It's that kind of feeling. I, I started to understand that, that I had never loved myself enough before, and I had always lived in fear. I'd always lived in fear of being true to myself and um, and I'd always grown up trying to do the right thing or to um, to fit in, to fit into my culture, to fit in uh, with what people expected of me and I was always a people pleaser. But in addition to always, um, in addition to not always being true to myself and always putting myself last. Uh, I also lived in a lot of fear. I feared life. I feared not being good enough. I feared cancer. I feared illness. I, I lived a very fearful life. Mm. And, and um, what did you learn about this fear? Because I know you were now. You talked about being able to see into the future. You're even able to see into the past, obviously, all at the same time again, right? Yeah. And so you recognize. Are you able to recognize? where you learn these fears, where you pick these fears up, is that in, aware, in your awareness as well, maybe from this lifetime or even other lifetimes, any of that come into play? It's, it was from this lifetime, I sense that I picked up all the fears from this lifetime. It's just conditioning, a lot of it is I think just the way the world is, it's like from whether it's from reading newspapers and everybody being afraid of getting cancer, all this, all the cancer awareness campaigns, but also the other fears of not being good enough, of um, always being a, being a people pleaser, putting myself last, putting myself down, always the, the negative self-talk, all that is probably just, uh, I, I got the sense it was all from this life, but it's probably just conditioning. Mm. Generally, just conditioning from culture, upbringing. And what did you learn about this this fear and almost self-loathing type of mentality? Um, what did you learn about it and how it affected you physically? That's what I learned was um, is was actually the cause of my cancer, at least for me and. Uh, and it was in that realization when I, I realized that actually I and everyone else 
we are all absolutely amazing, magnificent beings that have come here to express who we are and to be true to who we are. Why would we want to be anyone else that, uh, other than who we actually are and who we're supposed to be? All we have to do and be is to be true to ourselves. That's all we have to do. And it was the, the, the feeling, the sensation, the awareness, it was like, it was like, oh my God, how could I not know that? How, how obvious is that? Like, why else would I be on this planet expressing myself if I'm supposed to try to be someone else or try to fit someone else's model of what somebody is supposed to be? I've never checked in with myself. Like, who am I? What do I want to do? What are my feelings? And it's basically about following my own emotions because in that realm what was very real for me were my emotions just my emotions they were very very real and I realized that I'd never checked in with my emotions during my life I'd never asked myself how do I feel how do I feel about my life or what I want in life it was always about giving other people what they felt mm. and it was always about putting myself last because I thought it was selfish I always thought it was selfish to love myself and to give myself what I wanted. But I then started to really understand in, in depth that you can't love another if you don't love yourself first because you don't have anything to give. And I realized that only when I love myself can I actually love others. And, and being selfish actually comes from too little self-love, not too much. You recognize all this, and is this is it is it this insight that makes you decide to go back into your body? Yes, it was the the actual the words I would put on the insight would be now that you know the truth of who you are, um, your body will reflect that truth and be healed. Those are the words I would put to that feeling, that sense that I got in that understanding. And so, uh, so we're really talking about, uh, we're really talking about en uh, illness uh, starting at an energetic level and then the physical sort of following suit. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, so this awareness eradicates the, the illness that's within your energy basically. Yeah. And so yeah. if you go back, you are going to heal from this cancer? That's right. So I was, I became aware at that point that now if I choose to go back, now that I understood, I understood why I had the cancer, I understood that my only purpose was to be myself and that was all, that's all that, that's the only purpose any of us have is just to be true to who we really are. And I understood that at our core, each and every one of us, our essence, is one of awareness, it's one of love. At our essence, at our core, we are pure love. That essence is just pure love, it's unconditional love. So if you are being yourself, then you are being love. Who else can you be if you're in touch with your core? Mm. Because if at your core you are love. And, and when I understood this, um, and I understood that my body will just reflect this new understanding, my physical body would reflect it. It was at this point that I sensed 
both my father and my best friend communicating to me, now that you know the truth of who you really are, go back and live your life fearlessly. All right. And because we only have a few minutes left, but uh, you and I have already talked. We're, there's going to be a part two to this interview that we're going, I'm going to post at a later date, but which is going to get a little bit even deeper than what we've talked about, uh, where we really ask a lot more questions about this. But why don't we bring us to the final part? So you decide to go back. You, you're back in your body. Tell us about that. Um, I started to come out of the coma <clears throat> and um, as soon as I started to come out of the coma and my eyes started to open I saw my husband standing over me um, and then I saw my brother and he had his luggage with him he would just come straight to the hospital from the plane and they were they were really surprised that I was waking up and uh, coming out of the coma and and very happy. My husband was like really pleased. He was almost like dancing on the spot. <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's a really great guy. And then, um, and then the doctor, um, who I had never met before, being admitted to this hospital, being admitted in a coma. Right. He he walked in the room uh, to check on me and. You know, my family told him excitedly that I was waking up. So, so he said, "Oh, that's good news." And he came over to see me, and he said, "He said, oh, I'm so glad to see you're up." And he he was really upbeat, and and so I said to him, uh, "Good evening, Doctor Chan." And he said, "How do you know my name?" <laughs> and I said, "Aren't you the doctor that uh, that was here that treated me?" And and I even recalled he had removed fluid from my lung by putting a needle in through my back and uh, when I was choking and I and I said to him and you're aren't you the doctor that did that and he said he said but you were in a coma your eyes were closed how do you even know that I did that so, so he was really shocked and then and um, and and that's when I, I realized I was in a coma because I actually didn't realize <laughs> I was in a coma. So, so I said to him I was I was in a coma <laughs> this is your first recognition of it yeah yeah, I had no idea I was in a coma because I was so aware of everything. But I was very, um, I, it was still very blurred to me. You know, it was it was like I had one foot on this side, one foot on the other side because um, it was like everything had just happened, and I and I was still very confused. And and then when he left the room, I said to my husband, "Why was he so surprised? Wasn't he the one that told you that that I only have about thirty six hours at best?" And then my husband looked shocked, and he said. He didn't say that to me in the room. We were like down the hallway about 40 oh. feet outside the door. The door was shut. My goodness. And I said, really? <laughs> and, and that's when we started to realize that something had happened. And ultimately, uh, you, you healed from this, obviously, just as you expected you would. In fact, you said you could see into the future a bit that your tests would come back, that your 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 Organs yes. were not that were not shutting down now, uh, because you made this choice. Otherwise, they were to come back that that they had shut down. Um, this is all. This comes together exactly as you expected it to be. You healed miraculously quickly. I mean, right? 
very, very quickly. In fact, that was the other thing that I could see. I realized that when I was on the other side, in the other realm, and I realized that my body would reflect this very quickly, and I knew that it would not be months or uh, you know, it would be it would be more like days or even just a couple of weeks at the most. I knew that I would be feeling a lot better, and that's exactly what happened. Um, within four days, the tumors had reduced by about sixty percent, sixty or seventy percent, and um, within two or three weeks, they were when they were conducting tests, they couldn't they couldn't even find the cancer. They did a lymph node biopsy and. Um, the, the radiologist had to mark a lymph node in my body to biopsy yeah. and he couldn't even find a lymph node that was big enough to even suggest cancer. When just days prior they were the size of lemons. Exactly and he had he had those original scans on the light box and yeah. then he, he was using the ultrasound to try and find a lymph node and he was getting really confused because he was saying there's just I just can't find anything and here were these scans showing that my body was ridden with tumors yeah it's it's a miracle no question about it um, the story is amazing you're here uh, that was February 2nd 2006 when you went into the coma here you are today uh, November two, uh, 2011 you're gonna be telling your story in this book, Dying to Be Me, March 2012. Very exciting. A lot more detail in the book, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of detail in the book. And, and there's a lot more detail on your website, uh, anitamorjani.com. The links are below these videos. I love the, there's a phrase when you go to your website, it says, remembering your magnificence. Yes. That's what it's all about. <laughs> That is what it's all about, that every single one of us is a magnificent being, absolutely magnificent. So I'm going to end this interview here and we're going to pick up a new one because these can only be so long on the internet. Um, we're going to pick up a new one. If people want to watch part two of this interview, make sure that they put their email address in so that they get the announcement of it um, here on the page and they'll find out when when we post the part two later on just for now I just want to say thank you for sharing this story I'm frustrated uh, it's already been 46 minutes and I feel like I didn't cover but a fraction of your story and it's frustrating to me but we don't have hours unfortunately and that's why you wrote the book that you wrote right that's right yeah exactly Thank you so much for, for honoring us with your presence and your message. I do think it's, it, it can change the world on an individual basis. It can change any one of us if we really fully understand the message that you're trying to give us. And um, I look forward to part two of this. So thank you, Anita. Thank you. My pleasure.